Good morning. It's good to be in the house of the living God this morning. Can I get an amen? You got your Bibles this morning. Go with me to the book of John. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And find yourself in the 8th chapter. We're going to be reading verses 2 through 11. John 8 and 2 through 11. You guys excited about getting a word from heaven this morning? Once you find your place in John chapter 8, verse 2 through 11, please stand this morning for the reading of God's holy scriptures. The Bible says, at dawn, Jesus appeared again in the temple courts where all the people gathered around him, and he sat down to teach them. Verse 3 says, the teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery, and they made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, teacher, This woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such a woman. Now, what do you say? And they were using this question as a trap in order to have basis for accusing him. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. And when they kept on questioning him, He straightened up and said to them, If any one of you is without sin, be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. And at this, those who heard began to go away, one at a time. The older ones first, until Jesus was left with the woman still standing there. And Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Now go and leave your life of sin. Let us pray. Holy God, we come before you in the mighty name of Christ the Savior of the world, the King of the Lords. We praise you this morning. We ask in the mighty name of Jesus that the anointing of the Holy Spirit would fall fresh upon these lips of clay. We ask, O God, that you would speak through my mouth, Lord, the oracles that you have laid upon my mind this week. I pray that you would touch each and every one of us in a special way. We all need a touch from heaven. We ask, O God, that you would move powerfully in this service. We ask that the Holy Spirit would just touch each and every one of us in a special way. Lord, do not let us leave this church today the same way that we came. Lord, I came for change. Lord, I ask you just to lay me upon the potter's wheel and begin to shape me and mold me into the image you desire. Hide your servant behind the cross that no flesh may boast before you. 
And we praise you today in the house of the living God. And God's people said amen. And amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord God. If it's okay this morning, I'd like to begin with the, the title of our sermon, which is, If anyone is without sin, please be the first to cast your stone. If anyone in here in this room today is the first one who has no sin, then please go ahead and cast that stone. I want you to turn to your neighbor this morning and say, neighbor, looks like God is calling us to drop our stones. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's, let's begin this morning with some foundational verses that we can, we can build our sermon upon today. We need some good verses to lay this out, and I want to share some verses with you that would not only help you to build your foundation this morning, but this also will help you to understand the heart of this message. And so let's begin with Galatians chapter 5, verse 14. The Bible says that the entire law, everybody say the entire law. The entire law is summed up in a single command, love your neighbor as yourself. Let's take a look at love. 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8. Paul says that love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It's not proud. It's not rude. It's not easily angered. It's not self-seeking. And love keeps no record of wrong. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, it always trusts, it always hopes, it always perseveres. Love never fails. Can I get an amen? And so with that said, this morning I'd like to try, if I could, to, to draw you a spiritual mental picture. So if you would, turn on your sanctified imaginations. Turn it on. And I'm going to try to help you to draw a good picture in your mind that, that you can keep with you all the days of your life. Because that's what I use. I, I use pictures. You know, I'm dyslexic, so I, I can't hardly read at all. Everything's backwards. But, but when, when I study the Word of God, I'm, I'm constantly trying to draw me a picture. Because, you see, if I can see it up here, I can understand it, and I can reason with what God is, is teaching us. So, so when I try to teach the Word of God, that, that's why some of you like the way I teach, because I, I try to keep it down low where everybody can get hold of it. I don't try to use big words. I'm not trying to impress you. I'm just trying to help you see what God is teaching us. And so I want to draw this picture. First of all, I want you to begin to see Jesus here. He's, he's teaching a group of people. He's not standing up high and lofted. He's not trying to be lifted up. But instead, we find Jesus sitting among the people. He's not like everybody else. He's, he's come simple and humble. He's humbling himself. He's sitting among the people like a good shepherd. My Bible says that the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me lie down in green pasture. He leadeth me beside still water. He restoreth my soul. 
He leadeth me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And yea, though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, thy comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemy. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. And so Jesus tells us simply in John 10 and 11, I am the good shepherd. And the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Are you seeing our picture this morning? And so Jesus is not trying to magnify himself, which he could. But but what we have to understand is is who it is that's, that's really teaching here. Now, we got to get our little minds wrapped around this big picture because in the book of John, it says that, that in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning, and through Him all things were made, and without Him nothing was made that has been made. Are you with me this morning? And so Paul, he he simply draws us a picture of who it is. What we're talking about is that the son of the living God, the Messiah, the king of kings, is sitting among his own creation. I'm talking about the creator sitting with the creation. We find in the book of Colossians chapter 1, 15 and 16, it says that, that he is the image of the invisible God. The firstborn over all creation, for by him all things were created, things in heaven and earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers, rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. And so here we have the creator of all things sitting among a crowd. I'm not sure exactly how big this crowd might have been. I'm thinking maybe... 35 to 50 people, men and women, all sitting around him, open up their ears and their eyes. They're they're seeing something they have never seen before. A lot of the people said that that, that, that he he doesn't teach like all the other teachers. He, He teaches with authority and with power. Can you imagine sitting in the presence of the Almighty God as he sits down and teaches you Scripture? I wish they told us exactly what he was teaching here, but but all of a sudden, during the church service, if you would, the Pharisees, the religious leaders, they bring in, in front of everybody, they drag in this woman. I don't know if she was kicking or screaming. If it was them, she would have fought all the way. Come on, hallelujah. Hallelujah. But, but we don't know exactly how many people, but we know that everybody now is seeing this woman. And, 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 and so she's, being stand, she's standing up in front of everyone. Can you see it? And, and every eye is on her. And her sin that she had committed, they caught her in the act. And now she's in front of everybody, not, not just humiliated but completely destroyed if you would can you see her not even looking up her head is down probably tears are streaming down her face she's probably shaking her her fear and and 
You know, she, she's got a death sentence here. Now, I don't know if you've ever been stoned. That, that's one rock concert I don't want to be part of. Come on, amen. So her life is on the line, and religious people are out for blood. Are y'all seeing the picture we're drawing today? I'm thinking to myself, maybe in the crowd there's some people she might have known. You know, this is a city that people knew everybody. Remember how Rockwell used to be when I was a boy that you basically knew everybody, everybody waving. You go to Rockwell now, you may want to break out your brass knuckles. It's a mean city, boy. Anyway, basically everybody knew everybody, so I'm sure there was, she has some good friends in the crowd. Maybe even some of her family. Maybe some of her church members are there. And now her secret sin is brought out in the open. And everybody is looking at her. And I can't imagine what's running through their mind. Oh, my gosh, I can't believe she would be doing something like that. She's a married woman or he's a married man. But they bring her, bring her up in front of everyone. Now, let's, let's try to tie ourselves into this story because we're in here. You're in the story. I'm in the story because, see, she's dealing with two things, something called inward sins. Everybody say iniquities. She's dealing with outward sins. Everybody say transgressions. The sins on the inside, those are the sins that cause her to do it. The things that are on the inside that nobody sees about you are the ones that really get you in trouble. Those secrets, that those, those are sins when you, you're on your computer and nobody's watching you and you're pulling up things that you, you know that you should not be looking at. Are you with me this morning? Can anybody say ouch or whatever? Hallelujah, got somebody. But, but we're also talking about her transgressions where she crossed the trespasses. You know, if you're, you're a hunter like Aaron, you, you go out, and he knows if you see a sign that says no trespassing, and the signs are and the posts are painted purple, you don't cross that, right? Well, transgression is what we do. We, we cross the law, the forbidding lines that are drawn into the sand for us, but a transgression and iniquity is something that we cross over and we do. We sometimes practice them. And so we can actually line ourselves up with this story because you and I are also guilty. But we find something written in the Bible about someone who would take care of that situation. If you look in Isaiah 53, verse 5, speaking of Jesus himself, the one who's teaching now, Isaiah said he was, he was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquities. And the chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, we are healed. Verse 6 in the NIV says that, that we all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own ways, and the Lord has laid upon him the iniquity of us all. And so here we have the one who came 
to take care of the problem that she's dealing with and that we're dealing with. And he's not standing up, pointing his finger, saying, you rotten sinner, you're going to hell. No, but in love, he, he sits among the sheep who are shattered, who's, who's off track, and he sits with them, he's teaching, and all of a sudden they bring this one woman, and now she's accused in front of everyone, not realizing that the one that Isaiah was teaching them is in the house. The one that would take care of the problem is right with them. Now, Now, this may be strange, but you have to realize that even though this is in the New Testament, at this point, before Jesus had made the atonement for sins, they were still up under the law. And so, I can't use right now, I can't use Romans 3 and 23, which says that that we all have sinned and we all have fallen short to the glory of God. I can't use that right now because Paul hadn't wrote it yet. So we have to use what they had at the time. Are y'all with me? I can see y'all are listening good. And so we have to go back into the law and look and see what the Bible taught before Christ. Because this is what they're using to come against this woman trying to cause Jesus to stumble to see if he really was a teacher of God's word. But what they, what they should have did, they should have looked at what Isaiah, who we just brought up a minute ago, they should have looked at what he said in 64 and 6 because what he says in 64 and 6 lines up perfectly with Romans 3 and 23. He said, for all of us have gone astray. That's not what it says. I'm sorry. I messed up. All of us have become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. We all shrivel up like a leaf, and like the wind, our our sins, they sweep us away. In other words, we are all infected. From the day of Adam until now, we are still infected with the same problem, something called sin. We were born in it. David says, surely I was sinful from the day my mother conceived me. We were born in it. We do it. And God forbid we ever practice it. We're going to get to that in just a moment. Amen. And since we're in the law, let's go ahead and look and see what the the Ten Commandments would have to say about this woman. Exodus 20 and 14. Real simple. Thou shall not commit adultery. Hey, man, I, I don't need a theologian diploma to understand that one. That's simple. Don't do it. Simple. But let's look at Leviticus 20 and 10. We're going somewhere. Are you with me? Moses said, if a man commits adultery with another man's wife, the wife and the wife of his neighbor, both, everybody say both, both the adulterer and the adulteress are to be put to death. Ooh. Now we got a little problem. 
Because I don't know if you noticed this or not, but, but, but our text says bring them both. But, but there's only one up there standing. And so in the nutshell, what we're having here, we, we're having a little trouble with this law here because the Pharisees are trying to put this woman up under the law, but they themselves in the process are breaking the law because they didn't bring both the man and the woman to the front. So guess what they are? They are considered lawbreakers because they're not upholding the law of God. We know that James 2 and 10 tells us, Whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at one point is guilty of breaking all of it. Let's back up. James 2, 8 through 10. Listen to what James says prior. He said, if you really keep the royal law found in the scriptures, love your neighbor as yourself, you're doing right. Verse 9, but if you show favoritism, you sin and are convicted by the law as a lawbreaker. So there's some favoritism going on right here. And, and I'm thinking about the man. I'm going to sit down with the sheep. I got new boots and they hurt my feet. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Where's the man? I'm wondering if possibly, we don't know, we, we had to, to guess who he was, but, but I'm wondering if maybe he was a friend of the Pharisees. Or what if he was one of the Pharisees? I got another one. What if he was just a good-looking, young, handsome man that they hired out as a hired gun to come in to cause her to stumble. All they needed was someone that could lure her to the trap. My grandpa always said, hey, you set a trap with a beautiful woman, you'll catch a man every time. Isn't that right? So, so we, got, we don't know who the man is, but we do know one thing, that, that she's broke the law. He's broke the law, but, but they can't accuse her because they're both are not there. And so they are falling up under the law themselves. Now, I'm talking about we need some grace today. Let me help you out here. Jeremiah 5 and 26, the prophet says, Among my people are the wicked who lie in wait like men who snare birds and like those who set traps to catch People. Did you see what Jeremiah called these people? He described them as wicked. Jesus said to the Pharisees, you are a wicked and perverse generation. Isn't that what he said? Because there's, there's, when, when a man has the authority to teach the word of God, See, there's a special anointing that God has laid on the men of God and able to teach, to help them teach the Word of God. And that's called the Holy Spirit. But, but when you have men who are taking the Word of God and using it to condemn men, to, to defeat men, to beat them down, you don't want to leave church feeling like this. No, my job is to simply show you where you're sick. And, but my job is also to show you the remedy that will help your sickness. That's good preaching. 
bad preaching. It's like, you're going straight to hell. There's no hope for you. And there's preachers out there will beat you down. I get strong up here, but I'm always throwing that grace out there because Paul said, let your conversation be full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. And so in this story, something's fishy going on because the man is not there. But here's what we have to add to the equation. Because as, as we're speaking, things are changing right before their eyes. We have to add this man that Isaiah wrote about 500 years prior to him being there, maybe 700 years. I'm not sure how long it's been, but it's been a long time. And he's wrote about one who would come and take care of the iniquity and the transgressions of the people. And now the one that they are questioning, the one that they're asking, what are you going to do with this woman? Should we stone her? or not he is in the mix everybody turn to your neighbor this morning said Jesus in the mix Jesus is now in the mix so let's take a look at what he said can I do that we know John 3 16 God so loved the that he gave his only begotten son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have eternal life but then what does it say God, verse 17, God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. Whoever does not believe stands condemned already because he has not believed in God's one and only son. And so now... Things are changing because the one who came to heal our sicknesses is in the mix. And they're asking him, what should we do? Are y'all following me at all? Well, let's bring it to where the rubber meets the road. Let's, let's really bring us in the story. Now, this is where I get in your mailbox. This is, has partial still toe service. Because I'm finna get on your toes just a little, but that's okay. Because I got the remedy. His name is Jesus. Go with me to James 4 and 4. I had to chew on this all week. You only get it for an hour. I'm like, Lord, ouch. James 4 and 4. You adulterous people. Who's he talking to? You got it, us. He said, don't you know that friendship with the world is hatred toward God and anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes the enemy of God? Can I just say this openly as I can? Pastor is guilty. Because honestly, I can't tell you how many times in my life since 97 when I got saved, how many times from that point that I have put things ahead of God? Can I help you with your things? Come on, amen. Maybe your hobbies. Maybe your home. What about your focus? What are you focused on? Do we spend... More time on our iPhones and our iPads than we do with 
Well, we make it an idol. I'm guilty. Every time you see me at home, I got it going. But, but I have to say, I do spend my first fruits with the Father. But, but I find myself becoming a slave to something that makes no sense at all. Trying to get a like. Jesus likes me. That's the only like I really need this morning. He came and died for me. He liked me. Come on, amen. That's a, that's a good like. And so we, we put our careers, we put our schooling, we put our jobs ahead of God. And in the process, and we don't realize it, we become adulterous. In other words, we, we're in love with the wrong things in this life. Oh, I got to make more money. And my life is all around money, how to make more. What does a man profit if he gain the whole world, yet lose or forfeit his soul? And we allow this stuff to come in. And so now I'm putting you all up here with me. Because we all have got our things that's got us. And so we need to pull away from those things. We, we need to quit bowing our knee to the wrong things in life. I need to bow my knee to the one who came to save me. That, that's the one I need to be focused on. That's the one I need to be living for. That's the one who's called me to live for him. He didn't call me to live for anything else but him. Ephesians 2.10, for we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good work. I wasn't created to work for myself. I was created to work for the I am. Am I getting too loud in the house this morning? And so the sad thing is, is that I can take her off the stand now. I'm up there. Every eye is on me now. Because I don't confess it right in front of everyone. I have put things ahead of God. But here's where it really gets sad, Sammy. I'm not only the woman, but I'm worse than the Pharisees. How can you be worse than the Pharisees? Because I'm always in my mind, maybe not verbally, in my mind looking for fault in others. We do it naturally. We naturally do it. You, you could be the best preacher in the world and someone could come in and hear you, but they're going to sit there and they're going to try to find fault in something that he says or how he dresses or how he looks or what he does. I can't believe that preacher didn't greet me. Come on, man. Let's take a look at the king again. Go with me to Luke 6, 41 and 42. Jesus says, Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and you pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when you yourself fail to see the plank in your own eye? You hypocrite, first, take the plank out of your eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. I can't help you until I first help myself. Yesterday, it was hotter than fish grease, right? And, and I forgot to bring my sweat rag, and I'm doing my, my two-mile hike, 
You know, I'm going down the highway, and man, I got halfway, and the sweat was coming down like the Niagara Falls. And I'm wiping, but I'm wiping sweat in. Come on, amen. I don't know why I brought that up. But, but I was trying to remove the speck out of my eyes, what I'm trying to get. <laughs> but, but I'm saying I, I couldn't see clearly to help nobody until I could get it out of my own eyes so I could see where I was going. In other words, I can't help you to see until I know the way, the truth, and the life. But once I know him, and I do, now I, I can help you because I can see clearly that my way is not right, but his is always right. I can't point you to me because I can't save a fleet, but I can point you to one that came to save the world today. Hallelujah. So Jesus, he never says a word except this. It, this is amazing. The only thing he says, he without sin cast the first stone. Jesus, everybody's watching him. And so what does he do? He bends down and he begins to write into the ground. In all the years of my ministry, I've heard people say, I wonder what it was that Jesus wrote. How many of y'all have wondered what he wrote? Well, we shouldn't wonder any longer because I'm going to help you see what he wrote. And we said, Pastor, how do you know what he wrote? Well, it's simple because the Bible teaches us, first of all, in Hebrews 13 and 8. Write that down. The Bible says that Jesus Christ is the, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He hadn't changed. So what we have to do is simply this. We need to go back to yesterday and see what he wrote with his, because he hadn't changed. So let's see what he wrote yesterday. Let's go to Exodus 31 and 18. When the Lord finished speaking to Moses on Mount Sinai, he gave him two tablets of the covenant of law and the tablet stone inscribed by the finger of God. Who's writing here? God manifested in the flesh. What did he write? What he always wrote. Everybody's looking for an excuse to stone her, but Jesus says, wait a minute, let me remind you of something. <laughs> Come on, let's look at another one. Deuteronomy 9, verse 10, the Lord gave me two stones, a tablet inscribed by the fingers of God, and on them were all the commandments of the Lord proclaimed to you on the mountain of the fire. On the day of the assembly. It's the only thing that Jesus does. He stands up and asks them a question. He, without sin, you go ahead and throw the first stone. And he bends back down. He begins to finish the ten. Now, this is my opinion. You can believe what you want, what he wrote. I'm just trying to help you see what I'm seeing. Because I do things a little stranger than most people. But I think I'm hearing from the Lord. And the Lord God spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Thou shalt have no other God before me. Thou shalt not make for yourself an idol 
in the form of anything in heaven above, earth beneath, or the waters below. Thou shalt not bow down and worship them. Come on with me. And he kept quoting or writing the word of God. And as the older men began to watch and look and listen to what he said, they began to think, wait a minute. I've been pretty good except, except. And they began to walk away, the oldest from the youngest. And all of a sudden, there's no one there but the woman. He says, where are they? Has anyone left to condemn you? There's no one. Neither do I condemn you. You want a word from the Holy Spirit right now? Fresh word? The Lord is saying to me, even as I speak, when you see your neighbor stumble and fall, you're going to. Don't bend down to pick up the stone. Instead, pick up a mirror and begin looking at yourself first. Come on, amen. Now, I know that I'm going down your street today because every one of us here are guilty of judging somebody at something. And I just laid that saying I do it because I'm just like you. I'm a human being who was born in this thing full of sin. And, and every day I'm in this battle trying to deal with this life, that this, this body that wants to do wrong, the spirit in me wants to do right, there's a battle inside of me. I want to do good, but I can't accomplish the things that I want to do because I deal with this flesh that I'm trying to get on the cross and crucify. Paul said, I am crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me in the life. I live in the flesh. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I got to get my flesh on the cross. I got to lay down my stones. I got to pick up my mirror and sit down and look at myself intently and say, you know, before I can help anybody else, I need to work on this. Am I talking to anybody today? James 4.12 said there's, there's only one lawgiver and one judge, the one who's able and destroy it. But you, who are you to judge your neighbor? Matthew 7, 1 and 2, Jesus said, do not judge or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And the measure you use will be measured unto you. Woo! I'm preaching better than you are receiving now. Hallelujah. Jesus straightened up and asked her, woman, where are they? How much time I got left? Thank you. Appreciate it. Has no one condemned you? No, sir. Neither do I condemn you. Go now and leave your life of sin. Now, one of our favorite verses is Romans 8 and 1. Therefore, anyone who is in Christ, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen? We know that Christ is not condemning her but please don't miss this. He did not condone her either. That means he was not willing to accept her to continue in this lifestyle. 
He, he calls us to something called repentance. That means return to the top. Repentance means we turn away from the wicked and turn to the righteousness of God. So we have to get it in our minds to everybody believes in God, most everybody. That's not enough. I don't need to just believe Him and trust in Him, but, but, but I'm called by Him to turn from my lifestyle of sin. Romans 6, 1 and 2. Paul says, what shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? It says, God forbid. You died to sin. How can you live in it any longer? It's Romans 6, 15. What then shall we sin because we're not under law but under grace? God forbid or by no means, if you would. Different translations. 1 Peter 2.16, Peter said, live as free men, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. In other words, don't just come to church and act holy, and then get on the internet and blow somebody up, speaking evil. No, 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 no. See, God is not saying that we can live a perfect life. There's no way. If we can live perfect, then why did Christ die? We couldn't do it. But there is a way to live a life where sin is not your lifestyle. See, there's a big difference between sinning occasionally or practicing sin. Because we all sin occasionally, but there are some of us, maybe even here today, who do it on purpose. All the time. It's our lifestyle. Have you ever been around a liar? Woo. A liar. I mean, someone, I mean, you saw them catch the bass. Man, by the time they got home, and they can't help themselves. It's their lifestyle. And if someone ever starts living a life of a liar, it gets worse and worse. Y'all know somebody like that. But I'm telling you, quit looking at the speck. In your brother's, in your brother's eye, <laughs> y'all already judging somebody. Mm. Help on Jesus. But this is where I want to close. This is where it really gets good. If y'all like this so far, this is where it really gets good. So he tells her, "Leave your life of sin. Sin no more." Okay. Why did he say that? Let's dig a little deeper in the Word of God quickly. There's a story found in the book of John chapter 5. There's a man who is laying at the pool of Bethesda. He's been crippled for 38 long years. He can't walk. He can't work. He can't do nothing. He was waiting on the waters to be stirred by the angel of the Lord. So if I can just get in when the waters are stirred, I could be healed. But Jesus comes to him and says, get up, take your mat, and walk. And he's healed. Y'all know that story. Let's finish the story. Because Jesus finds the same man in John 5, 14 in the temple course. But listen to what Jesus says to him. This is important. Later, Jesus found him at the temple and said to him, See, you are well again. 
stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. All right, let's break it down. What could be worse than being crippled for 38 long years? Couldn't do nothing, couldn't even get up. What's worse? Only one thing. It's called death. <laughs> Stop sinning or something worse will happen to you. Romans 6 and 23. For the wages of sin is... But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Numbers 32 and 23. Moses right. But if you fail to do this, you will be sinning against the Lord. And you may be sure that your sin will find you out. It doesn't matter who we are. We're all going to make mistakes. But, but God's saying, listen, walk away from it while you can. Because some reason we think, oh, I got the grace. I can just practice this sin and I just confess it's good. And, and so we're living in the process of killing ourselves. See, we, the problem is we don't know when the chamber is going to finally come around and it caps you. Because playing with sin is Russian roulette. I'm good. I got grace. One day. When you least expect it, it will call your name. And so Jesus said, listen, stop sinning or something worse will happen to you. He's trying to warn us. Don't live your life like this. Live for me, the one who is wounded for your transgressions, bruised for your iniquity, and the chastisement of your peace was upon me, and by my stripes you're healed. Live for the one who saved you, redeemed you, and set you free. Let's all stand. Now, the most important part is right now. As every eye is closing, I'm asking you right now, when you stand before God, and you will, are you willing to know, are you ready to know? Are you willing to answer to him? Because he's going to ask you, what did you do with my son Jesus? I gave you the remedy for your sickness. I've done everything for you, but did you receive him as your Lord and Savior? Now, you've got to answer because one day your sin will catch up to you. Mine's going to catch up to me, and yours going to catch up to me. I'm just saying right now, you need to get your insurance, your policy. You don't need, you don't need just fire insurance. You need, you need your reservations in heaven. Because my Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So I'm asking you right now, man to woman or man to man, do you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. I'm not asking you are, you, are you a member of a church? I'm not asking you that. I'm not asking you, were you baptized as a kid? I'm not asking you that. I'm asking you, according to John chapter 3, verse 3, are you 
born again, born from above, born in the Spirit of God. Because if you are not born again, Jesus simply says, you will never see the kingdom of God. Have you been saved today? Would you like to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? If the Holy Spirit is tugging on your heart right now, I'm begging you with all my might right now, please push the people out of your way. Get down here and get right with God. I can promise you I won't judge you because I'm like Paul. I was the worst of sinners. Whatever you've done, it doesn't matter. It's going to be covered in the blood today. Right now, some of you are saying, you know what? I need to re recommit my life to Christ. I need to rededicate my life to Christ. If you want to rededicate your heart right now to God, just raise your right hand and say, Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, I confess my sins before you. I'm guilty of judging my neighbor I'm guilty of not loving my neighbor as I love myself. And I'm guilty of putting things ahead of you right now. And I lay it all at your feet and I say, please forgive me in the mighty name of Jesus. And I rededicate my heart to you today that I'm going to do my very best to walk with you all the days of my life. And I pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. You guys have a blessed week. I love you. God bless.